Hear ye, hear ye. Welcome to the Movies on the Brain podcast. It is time for question time. No, not with Kevin Feige, but rather with the second uh, and most knowledgeable source of Marvel movie news to Kevin Feige, Jim Vavita. How are you, Jim? I'm uh, super crazy busy as we head into uh, the Comic-Con season, but uh, very glad to be here with you guys. Yeah, thank you for making time for us. Uh, as we follow the Robert's Rules of Order here, I yield my time to Chad Metz for question time with you. All righty, Jim. Uh, we are fresh off the heels of uh, Loki dropping the, the season finale this morning. Uh, since we haven't talked to you in a while, I just want to get your general impressions of the the whole show, and we can talk everything since it's all over now. No, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, it was very fun. Uh, I'm still just processing the uh, the finale. I literally just um, I literally just uh, finished it about an hour ago. Um, wasn't nuts about the finale, um, but I am curious what they're going to do with all these, you know, Kang variants. And um, it's just sort of um, interesting to me that the future of the MCU now, you have basically two tracks. You have what's going on with the Valentina character, the Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character, and that kind of more grounded level. And then now you have this multiversal war playing out on a, a larger cosmic scale. So I am uh, kind of curious how or if those two tracks will will um, will kind of collide, if ever. Like I can't, I can't really. I don't know. I feel like they're risking pulling on the string and unraveling everything they've done so far in the MCU. Um, I hope it works. I mean, they've been very good and lucky so far, but. I do almost feel like it's like when an empire extends itself too much, it collapses. <laughs> so I am curious, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. Cause uh, I mean, I, I'm not one for all of the, the time madness that goes on and that, that is literally where they're going with time and multiverses um, and, and all of the, 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 the potential falls that comes with that. Um, and they, they really hammered that home with this last episode and uh, it gave us the appearance of Jonathan Majors in, in Loki. And I don't, so you said you weren't really like a fan of this episode. I'm curious as to why. Cause I, I mean, I, I liked it, but I, I wasn't, it wasn't my favorite of the season. Okay. So everything I've heard from, well, the things I've seen from various people, I would have f- figured that people would like, Loki better than the other two Marvel shows just because in Loki they like they gave those highlights of Kang is coming Kang is coming and it actually paid off in this last episode whereas like WandaVision a lot of people assumed people were coming and never, they never showed up so yeah uh so th- did that just not hit with you or was it something else going on with the finale um I think I felt um I think I felt the like the thing I liked about Loki is that yeah it was setting up all that larger stuff that we like, but there are times where you can almost feel the strain of the machinery trying to set everything in motion. Um, but I did enjoy it. I really liked you know ultimately the charm of those characters and those performances. 
you know, smoothed over any of the more kind of narrative head scratching moments I had. Um, and, uh, you know, WandaVision, I think, is still probably my favorite, but Loki is up there. Um, I think I just liked how weird WandaVision was and that ultimately the stakes were just more personal for her. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I was like, there were parts of it I liked, but it was probably the clunkiest thing Marvel's done in terms of, like, it just wasn't as sure-footed as the other things that they've done. Um, and then Loki, I thought was just, you know, very, very clever. And I liked, you know, I liked it a lot overall. I liked the, the aesthetic and a lot of the, a lot of the choices that were made. I'm just still curious. Um, yeah, I think I still just need to process it and curious, like how this is actually going to affect all the things that, you know, we like and all the things that we, um, have already liked and kind of processed and moved on from, you know, with the infinity saga, like I thought it was curious that the opening, you know, Marvel uh, logo fanfare is, you know, all these sound bikes or lines of dialogue from past movies. And that sort of overlapping of, you know, all these lives that have, you know, and moments that have happened in that saga. So I, I really hope that, you know, um, I really hope that they don't unravel a lot of all that hard work that went into the Infinity Saga. And frankly, I'd like them to kind of move on and not revisit all these past beats. I know What If is basically doing that, but putting a unique spin on there. And so we're getting a lot of these kind of, frankly, variants now. And I don't think there's ever been a time in human history where the word variant has been used <laughs> so much between Loki and COVID. So, like, it has been... It is, uh, you know, definitely uh, the word of 2021. Yeah, that is a good point. I for, you know, I'm wrapped up in the variants of this show, but I never put those two together, uh, that link between the pandemic and Loki. So now I'm stuck with that. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jim, uh, Chad is yielding his time back to me. Um, so. My thing with the finale of Loki was basically, I was amazed at the fact that the majority of the episode is uh, exposition heavy. Um, our good friend and, and your former coworker, Eric Goldman had uh, posted a tweet last, uh, last a couple of nights ago about how he didn't think it was gonna be Kang because he didn't think that he'd just show up and say, hi, I'm Kang, here's my deal. And that's ex actually well, exactly, exactly what happened. <laughs> Uh, so I was just amazed by that. And the second thing that I was amazed at by the Loki finale was the fact that um, we basically had an Iraq war debate in the middle of a Marvel television show uh, because they're, they're talking about standard U.S. foreign policy about dictators and when to leave dictators in, in place and when to take dictators out and what the plan is after those dictators are gone. <laughs> so I was uh, quite surprised we got that in a Marvel show. Yeah, it's uh, it was certainly um, uh, there were a lot of things that that I thought that I thought the show too was getting um, almost meta in a way. Like there were times where you know the discussions of the timekeepers and the keepers of the sacred timeline, where it felt like the it was the writers' room talking about themselves. But when Kang is having his whole like, I've been overseeing this for years, and I I'm 
I'm not as young as I used to be and I want somebody young and new to take over and maybe it'll be two people instead of one. I felt like, did Kevin Feige write this scene? <laughs> it really <laughs> felt like a peek into the mind of Kevin Feige of like, I've had a good run, but I'm really tired. <laughs> I'd like to do something else now. You know, I'd like to go make a Star Wars what... movie, please. Yeah, like I'm really curious to be like, you know, if we get to talk to him, be like, you know, do you see yourself in Kang? And of course he won't, you know, he'll, he'll put some clever, very PR-minded spin on it. But I was like, I'm watching that scene. I'm like, Jesus, this just feels like a confession. <laughs> by you. Like, can just two other execs step up and do this job, please? Because I want to I retire and enjoy all my money. Uh, so, so Chad yielded his time back to me to finish up with the Black Widow questions. Um, how uh, how did you like the movie? How were what are your, what are your thoughts on the box office uh, returns? And um, are you surprised that they literally made a movie about human trafficking? Um, we actually have a piece going up on IGN uh, today, Wednesday, on about that addresses that that it tackles Marvel's darkest issues yet you know it's like um uh you know that it is about human trafficking and i mean in some ways they they opted to explore things that they did with winter soldier in a way where you know it's somebody who was brainwashed and tortured and became an assassin but like you know there were times where you know it that Bucky's that was all that defined him was like look at the ringer this guy went through whereas with Black Widow it's like she survived that on her own she didn't need Wakanda to deprogram her basically um she uh you know that it, it was dealing with that they didn't depict basically that they didn't do Marvel's Red Sparrow and depict all the um terrible stuff that you know that they would have done to her um, or fall into those kind of femme fatale tropes, you know, I think it was good. I think it was, um, I thought Black Widow was, uh, was good. I didn't, it's not one of my faves. Um, but I thought it was a really, uh, it was a great introduction to some new characters and, you know, a nice send off for, for Scarlet, uh, not Scarlet, sorry, G.I. <laughs> Joe on the brain for, well, yeah, Scarlet Johansson, right. Um, uh, I just think it was um, uh, a sort of. I thought the family stuff was the was very interesting, and I I think they they didn't quite um, balance the two the the spy movie stuff and the family stuff as well as I would have liked. But um, yeah, but overall, thumbs up. I liked it. And your thoughts on it surpassing Fast and the Furious and being on track to be the most successful performer of the uh, great box office reset? Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think it's um, uh, Fast and Furious. I mean, things were different a few weeks ago, right? Like if Fast and Furious came out now, it probably made 20 million more, right? Like um, I think it's, I think Marvel though, just brings the kid to the dance floor in a way that nobody else can. And that it did, that they released Disney Plus numbers, like which they didn't do for Raya and the Last Dragon or for Mulan, I thought was very interesting. Um, so I think there's a lot of analyses that to, yet to be done on what is this 
really mean because now you're going to have studios also well i guess we can can do both and can be successful but i don't know i think it all depends on what that property is i mean marvel is basically um like a fairly bulletproof ip at this point it, it, it's like pixar in the 90s and early aughts or what star wars once was you know um so it's uh and now that it's you know a multimedia approach between streaming and the movies i mean yeah, they've got you. They've got you hooked now. But I do wonder if they're if they're not going to get a little too complicated, like comic booky, where it is just all those timelines and like the way it gets when you used to have to follow Marvel comics, and if you missed a couple of issues, you just gave up. <laughs> like I, 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 I do worry that they're not going to get too far down that rabbit hole. But we'll see. I mean. You know, every time we thought, ah, I don't know if Marvel can do it, they did it. So <laughs> we'll see. Talk to me in 10 years when the, their capper of uh, uh, their end game to the multiverse war finally runs. Yeah, um, my my thoughts there are very, very much that we're heading toward a multiversal war storyline. Because I was thinking the other day, if, if, if Val is rounding up a Secret Avengers, Dark Avengers, whichever title you want to put on it and they're also very clearly paving the way for our young avengers those teams need need villains they need uh foes they need antagonists and it's very hard to put together an antagonist that doesn't match the power set to where the big boys would have to come in um so i was interested to see how they would would work that and now you can just have you know pull a villain set from the multiverse so yeah i mean uh i, I think it'll be we'll be curious to see if um Again, like how does how does the Kang of it all uh, affect these other smaller properties? Like, like uh, again, the, I, I'm I'm just trying to figure out they have the the two tracks now between Valentina setting up essentially like the Thunderbolts of it all, right? Like, and um, you know, and then you have this more cosmic thing. So I guess at some point, are we going to see, um, you know, like Yelena and John Walker on another planet fighting Kang the Conqueror? Like maybe at this point, who knows? But I just, I feel like um, I, I kind of like the grounded stuff that they're doing as well. And I, I'd hate to see that get kind of uh, sacrificed. Just, yeah, just so they don't try in an attempt to just kind of recapture the road to end game, if you will. All right. So, uh, Jim, we'll get you out on this, uh, pub up, uh, comic con home. Talk to us about what's coming and what fans can you look forward to, uh, as, as that comes our way, uh, in the next few weeks. Well, there's a, there won't be any Marvel. There won't be any DC in terms of big screen stuff. I mean, uh, Lucifer is going to be there, but, um, in terms of, uh, I think all that other stuff is going to be saved for, um, you know, DC fandom. And then I would imagine probably New York Comic Con. Um, so I think Netflix being there with uh, Army of Thieves, uh, which is the Army of the Dead prequel, uh, Zack Snyder. Uh, and then um, I think I forget if Shadow and Bone is going to be there. But there's, a, you know, to me, it's it, it's a it's a smaller con. Um, it's not too dissimilar from 
last year's. So we'll see what kind of impact it has. We'll see what kind of news comes out of there. But um, to me, it's, uh, you know, I, I do wonder if people aren't just over the whole virtual event thing and just want to get back to, you know, actual in-person stuff. So, I mean, we do have a lot of the major studios sitting out Comic-Con. So I'm not expecting it to be like um, something that's going to be talked about beyond just the day that it happens, you know. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to me um, because we Netflix just did uh, WatcherCon uh, and, and all of that. And it's just interesting to me. I wish Netflix would be a little bit more transparent with their numbers and things to see how well that did um, as compared to what you guys did at Comic-Con at home 2020. Uh, because like I said, it, we've been facing this uphill battle for a little while now. When, studi when big studios don't give you a reason to go, <laughs> It just becomes a big yeah. cosplay celebration. Yeah, and you know that's. I mean, there's and there's a place for that, but it's like I, I think, um, I think there are practical reasons too why a lot of big studios set it out. Like they probably, you know, productions only just restarted a few months ago. They probably don't have anything to show that's in good enough shape. Nobody wants to end up like Green Lantern when it went there the first time and like just showed Ryan Reynolds in a windbreaker or something like, you know, it, it just falls flat. So I think um, if you don't, if you don't have something ready, you don't go. And I think that's probably a bigger reason why than simply like um, just wanting to sit out Comic-Con. I think they, I think it was more of a practical thing this year. Like, you know, DC fandom is another couple of months down the line, um, but they'll, um, but, you know, they'll at least have more stuff uh, that could be ready to be seen from Flash. And uh, the Batman, obviously, will get a new trailer. It will have been a year since the last one. Um, and that's done filming now. So, yeah, I think I'm more excited, frankly, for DC fandom than I am any of these, any of the other cons at this point. Good to know, Jim. Well, we thank you for squeezing in some time for us. And we look forward to hearing from you again, Chang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings, coming Labor Day weekend, and that's the next stop on this Marvel train. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. You too. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. And that was our good friend Jim Vavita of IGN.com um, going over and previewing uh, Comic-Con 2021 and at home 2021, and also talking about the, uh, the two big Marvel properties that came our way this week. Um, so Chad, what were your thoughts on our conversation with Jim? Um, I was a little surprised about the, uh, the reaction to the, uh, to the Loki finale. However, I, I, I didn't think about it watching it, but, uh, I do completely agree with him that the potential is there for Marvel to stretch themselves too thin with the, the, the way this is going and just the the same principles I complain about with uh, time travel and multiverse and all that stuff. Those those principles wearing thin with the people that are watching and them just checking out. There is, uh, I didn't think about it, but he is complete. I th I completely agree with him that there is a risk in that. Um, half of the the comics that I quit reading are when they get to that point and it's like it's too much. So Marvel has. Marvel has a tightrope 
to walk. Uh, but they've they've walked all the tight ropes, you know. They've they've come across so far, but they keep adding things. So it is just something to watch. I, I'm not like overly concerned about it right now, but uh, that is he brought up a very good point in that. Um, so so that was the the main thing that that really stuck out to me. So Chad, let's talk about the conclusion to Loki, in which the Iraq War is debated once again uh, for entertainment purposes. Yeah, uh, that was a uh, a nice correlation you made there. I didn't. That's exactly how well, they, they were. They they said you know, dictator in the whole thing. I just you think about the political stuff a little bit more than I do. Um, political science I, nerd, it's hard to help it when a guy literally stands up and says, "I am the dictator," and if you depose the dictator then chaos will ensue. And are you really prepared for the chaos that will ensue? Having lived in this 21st century in the wake of the Bush administration's decisions uh, and in the wake of like Cuba and its current situation and just a student of history and the Cuban, the Bay of Pigs invasion and how that led to 50 years of Castro. Whereas what would have happened if, if the Bay of Pigs invasion would have been successful and Castro would have been overthrown and then all those those telephone companies and casino companies and mobs that were living life grand in Havana at the time with how does that affect Cuban and American relations going forward? Like it, there's a whole, what happens to Miami if that happens? Like it, it's this whole, to borrow a phrase, what if? And and that's, that's the big moral question that has always been in surrounding US foreign policy the last 50 years is when to intervene and be the world's police and when to just sit it out. Um, and when you do choose to act, acting with an accordance of a plan, um, people don't really know this all that much, but um, Woodward touches on it in his books on Bush that um, the Pentagon keeps war plans. And in part of those war plans are in number of troops that would be needed, the type of, of warfare that would be best suited for the environment, um, goals, uh, you know, goals for the for the mission, and then um, exit strategy. Those are all part in in documents on a bunch of different countries in the Pentagon. Uh, we even have war plans for Canada. Um, but the thing is, when you bring those out of the mothballs, you have to dust them up, you have to update them, and you have to utilize them in a proper way. And if you leave one of those sections out, updating one of those sections out like say exit strategy, you know, it creates some problems. And, you know, this is basically Loki and Sylvie hammering out, should we depose the dictator or should we not? And Loki sitting there just going from the leftist position of, hey, yeah, he's a bad dude and he's doing some really crappy things with kidnapping children, but, you know, he's been overseeing this timeline for a little while. There hasn't been a whole bunch of chaos. Things are good. So maybe we should just leave the dictator in place and he'll let us help him out and it'll all be good. And Sylvie's like, screw that. He's kidnapping children. He's horrible. I'm going to go stab him in his chest and whatever happens after that happens. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go bomb the country. I'm going to make it a miniature golf course. I'm going to pay my boys a whole bunch of money to go in there and fix it. And then we'll see what happens after that. You know, and, and what we lived with well, at the end of the episode was Sylvie's decision to stab him in the chest and go from there. Yeah, I mean, in in those real world situations, uh, it's always a question of what do you replace the dictator with? 
in this, we are presented with the, the scenario that uh, if you re you were going to be at risk of replacing the t dictator with a worse version of this of said dictator. Now, granted, that information comes from the dictator himself, who could be seen as a, an un unreliable narrator. However, we take him at his word, and he's saying that I'm the benevolent one. You get rid of me. Uh, there's some more like me that are way worse. So, uh, in in and with that information, I think our Loki probably makes the what would be the better call in that we know this, I mean, we've only known this devil for five minutes, but I think we would rather deal with this devil than the devil behind the door. And Sylvie is, I mean, this is, this is her life's mission. This is what her life has always been about. Uh, finding who, who's behind everything and bringing them to an end. So she had, there was no other way this could go uh, for her. Now it's just a question of where does, Marvel go from here that now we have all the we we I think that last scene shows that we definitely have a multiverse now uh what are the ramifications for that um and we know after the show we found out that you know Loki's going to be in the multiverse of madness that makes sense because again multiverses are officially introduced here um and that's going to lead into we, we know for sure it's going to lead into Multiverse of Madness and Spider-Man uh, and that WandaVision tied into it as well. So yeah, like Jim said, there's there, there's two divergent paths. They have the multiverse path and the more grounded path. The question is, will they ever meet? Should they ever meet? Um, that's going to be up for, for people to decide. Uh, I, I don't know, for me, I... I think keep them as far apart as you can until you until you have to do something with them. And we are not supposed to be seeing Jonathan Mayers again until uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is scheduled for 2023, 2022? 20, I think it's 2023, even though I think they're shooting right now. I think they already started shooting. Are they about to start shooting? Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is set for release February 2023. Yeah, um, which is wild that it's, they're about to start shooting now and it's not coming out for effectively, you know, about two years. But um, I don't think, I think we'll see Jonathan Majors before we get to that movie. I, I don't know. I don't think he'll play a big part in Doctor Strange. But I think we'll be foolish if we don't think we'll at least see him at the at least a stinger for him in Doctor Strange. And when does uh when do, when does the uh, when would a Loki season two film? That's the thing for me is like, are you going to continue this that way? Um. Yeah, that's a good question. Are they going to do it? Is this going to be a yearly thing? Uh, if so, they will probably start filming sometime in the next few months to be out for this time next year or are they going to wait until after the multiverse of madness because yeah if they're doing it next year that's still gonna that's going to be before um ant-man and the wasp so it'll be after dr strange before ant-man and the wasp and you will pursue you assume that you're going to fill in some of the gaps with loki whenever i mean not loki with kang with Jonathan Majors before we, uh, whenever we get to Loki season two. So 
I don't know. The, talking this out, I think putting it between Doctor Strange and Ant Man would probably work uh, because now people know that Kang is involved, and you get a few more answers before we get to whatever we whatever version of Kang we're going to get in Quantum Mania. Indeed, um, it's just really impressive that they they did a, a episode that was almost purely expositionary dialogue. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a little bit of stuff in the uh, at the end with Loki and Sylvie, but it's not as much as we definitely not nowhere near as much as we got in uh, episode five. But uh, so I want to ask you, what did you think of the bringing back the pin and the reveal of her in the 2018 high school? It was never a question of the pin paying off because I, they they showed it too many times for it to mean nothing. Um, but we just assumed it meant something to uh, to Mobius, which in in hindsight, it's like, why should we think it has something to do with Mobius when every time he has it, it's in Renslayer's office. So it, it makes more sense that it does have something to do with her. Uh, I didn't expect it, expect her to be basically a teacher in contemporary times. And let's see. So she would have been a she would have been a teacher, let's see, in the Marvel timeline. Probably in 2018. So it's right before the snap or during the snap, one of those two things. But she is more or less contemporary. So that was a, I didn't see that coming. Uh, but I really thought it had been something with Mobius. But yeah, we still have, we have, to, we have questions to answer about her. And I, I really do think at the end of the day, all of her ties are going to bring her closer to whatever version of uh, Kang is going to be our primary antagonist going forward. But are we going to get those answers in Loki season two? Are we going to get them in something else? I think for her character, I think we'll get them in Loki season two. And again, talking through this, that further makes me think that Loki season two will probably be a year from now to establish that because I, I would be shocked if she doesn't show up with Kang and Quantumania. And all of this is interesting because she, she, the version of Renslayer that we get in the TVA is one that talks about friendship for eons and eons when, you know, she was just sucked into this thing in 2018 from what it sounds like. Yeah, but you gotta remember the TVA, they keep saying that, you know, time works different here and they've been doing this for a long time. So her branch like that got pruned started probably in 2018 but she goes to the TVA and now she's working all the way through time so in the I mean it's a question of have they really been there for eons and it so or is that something that you know once Kang took over took them over is that something that they made them believe or have they really just been in this timeless place working all through time and it has been many many lifetimes for them uh a lot of questions. It'll also be interesting for me to see um, how they play up the humor, hubris and the arrogance of Kang. I liked, uh, I, did, I was not a huge fan of the over-the-top performance of this version of Kang, but I got it because he's trying to play up the Wizard of Oz, man behind the curtain uh, aspect of it. But the hubris of 
a individual, even if it is Reed Richards' son, which by the way, very interested in how the math on that works because he, he says that he invented the gateway to the multiverse in 2032, uh, he's, which he's, is so he's 11 not years from now. He's not Reed's son. He said 2022? 2032. 2032, okay. So uh, they, well, no, I don't know how they're going to do it because generally he's not Reed's son. He's a descendant of Reed. Um, and I don't know, again, time travel stuff. He doesn't really become like Kang the Conqueror until he, he goes back in time and becomes Kang. And then he ends up going back, going further into the future and becoming even more whatever he is. So that's why there's so many different versions of Kang and it's hard to kind of keep up. And I'm not- But the, that- but the story that he tells is that he opens up the gateway to the multiverse sometime in 2032 and he meets other versions of himself that are domesticated and and diplo- uh, diplomatic and smart and kind and good and their work they work together for the purposes of making the multiverse a better place and then he runs into the not so good versions of himself and the not so good versions of himself go to war with the good versions of himself and he the original kang was the only one left uh, because he controlled the beast that we saw in episode five and used him to devour the other the other variants of Kang and win the multiversal war. And as his prize, he built this castle and took over the time uh, the time authority and did all these things to try and prevent that from ever happening again. Mm-hmm. So the so, story the story that the TVA tells in episode one really isn't that different, except instead of there being three people, there was only one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's one we again we we have the the question of a trustworthy narrator. Is he telling the complete truth when he says what time he started all this, and why would he be untruthful? Two, because he is before he becomes the ultimate conqueror, he is like this time traveling guy. Was he from the future? Came to the past? That's when he did the multiverse stuff. And then the the multiversal war started, all that stuff. It, it can go a bunch of different ways with Kang. I don't expect them to really go that deep in the weeds and try to distinguish exactly why he's where he says he is when all this starts. Because I think we'll be dealing with a different version of Kang. But um, it's I'm I, like I, I I've heard you say you said that you weren't a fan of the overtop thing performance of Jonathan Majors. You're not the only one I've heard say that. Uh, I actually had fun with it, but I, the, the Kang we got here is not the Kang I think we'll have later. So I don't know. There's just going to be a lot of questions with Kang because I don't think when we finally get to him, I think he'll be probably almost unrecognizable character-wise as to what we're introduced with here. And I think that's all part of the the mystery and the the fun you can have with Kang if you can do him right. Like I said, man, uh, Young Avengers, Dark Avengers, Secret Avengers, any team that Valentina whistled and Th- Thunderbolts, any any team that gets put together has to have an uh, antagonist. So, I mean, you can always pull a a variant. I mean, that's, that's what we're going to get with uh, Spider-Man, right? We're going to get a Sinister Six made up of variant, a variant uh, well, not variant, but um, you know, villains from other multiverses. Yes, that seems to be 
That seems to be the plan. Um, don't know when they'll ever confirm that, even though the toys are doing a, a great job of trying to show us everything before we even get a trailer. Again, just a very interesting eclectic mix. Uh, I just, I really am, like, I'm happy with the show. I'm happy with the way it ended. I'm helping, happy with the setup because you both have enough room to do a season two of the show, but also enough room to keep Hedelstein going in the MCU in some capacity as kind of the multiverse reader, if you want to, if you want that. And again, this is something that Marvel planted all the way back in, in Doctor Strange, where the Ancient One literally tells him, you're one of many, many, many versions of you, and there are many, many universes out there. You're just one. Um, she makes that clear, reiterates that again in, in Endgame, that if you remove the stones, that it, it removes protections for this particular universe um, and causes branches and all of those things. So they've, they've been slowly building up to this in a way that's very Marvel-esque. It's just going to be interesting to see if they have the ability to pay it off. I also love Jim's little jab there about maybe that was Feige saying, I'm, please, somebody take this over. Yeah, I can see that. I, it, again, that wasn't a thought I had, but uh, if, if Feige really wants to get meta with it, that would be a good way to do it. Uh, there's no, nobody could blame him if he wants to, you know, tap out now because He's the king of it all, but I don't know. I don't know if he's quite ready to, to, to pack it all in for them. The next thing that's interesting to me is where we fit the next two movies in the, in the timeline here, because Eternals is big, sweeping decades, eons long, and Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings is really about a dude with daddy issues. So, you know, it's, it's quite an eclectic mix there, and how those fit into the timelines is also going to be interesting to me. Yeah, uh, from the 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 teaser for um, Eternals, it's clear that it takes place after Endgame because I think they reference. Um, yeah, now it's Captain Rogers and uh, now like Captain Rogers and Tony Stark are gone. Who's going to lead yeah. the Avengers? Which got a lot of people excited because he, he referenced the fact that he didn't call him Captain America; he called him Captain Rogers, which would indicate that it took place after the events of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Ah, yeah, that's a good point too. So, I so I think Eternals. I think we're probably for at least Eternals and probably Shang Chi. We're probably back on the this this movie takes place approximately at the same time that we are when it's released. So, for for better or worse, it's probably they probably both take place in twenty twenty one at some point. Uh, Well, actually, no, no, no. That's right. The five year. Yeah, that's right. The five year jump. So. Yeah, that's right. That, that throws everything off. So maybe what well, we're supposed to be in twenty twenty three, right? Um, uh, the the jump ahead, the five years later, is from twenty nineteen. So, so it's from twenty uh, twenty eighteen. So twenty eighteen plus five. It's twenty twenty three. Right. Uh, and I know Falcon and the Winter Falcon and the Winter Soldier take place. Um, a few months after that, so it was Wanda takes place like a couple weeks after that. So, and I think I think the battle took place in October. I want to say I read that somewhere. So we're pushing twenty twenty four. So I'm just gonna say they take place in twenty twenty four. It's gonna be interesting to see, man. Interesting to see what that whiteboard Kevin Feige has on it at this point. I mean, at this point, it's gotta be like a white room, and like not a small white room. It's gotta be quite quite large and expansive. Do you remember the complaints and the mummering coming out of uh, 
you know, after the highs settled down after uh, Comic-Con 19, it's like, damn it, man. Phase two is only like, phase four is only like two years long and it only has these six movies or five movies. It would be the shortest. They have the less stuff in it. And then, you know, D23 comes along two weeks later, uh, four, four or five weeks later. And it's like, yeah, we also have television shows. And now we're going to get nine or 10 things in phase four. I do remember that because when people were saying that, I, I, even before we knew there were TV shows, I was like, there's no way that that's it. Just calm down. They're going to announce some other things later, which is what they did. They announced after that point, they announced the TV shows and they announced more movies and they've, they've, steadily been adding more movies up until yeah, but, the pandemic. Yeah, but they haven't been declarative as to where they fit. Like, they've announced a Captain Marvel, uh, the Marvels. They've announced Black Panther 2 for Wakanda Forever. Um, they've announced uh, uh, Captain America 4. Um, they've announced, you know, those things, but they haven't said what phase they're in. They know they've announced a Blade movie. Uh, they've announced a Fantastic Four movie. They just haven't said where those, those they haven't dated them. And they haven't said, and the ones that they have dated, they haven't been specific about whether they're phase four or phase five. Those are the kinds of question time with Kevin Feige questions that the press has to ask him in, you know, the next time they'll get that opportunity is probably on the virtual tour before Shang-Chi in August. Well, I roughly remember him saying something about uh, they're, they're, they're like phasing out phases. Um, I think, but that was like early on. That was before we got all these, TV shows and things like that. Um, so while I think this is still phase four, I think what follows phase four might not actually be a phase. They might call it something else. But my rule of thumb for this is that we're still in, we remain in phases until we have a, a, big, a big crossover plus one movie. Cause it's typically not the crossover that ends it. It's like the movie after the crossover that ends the phase. Uh, like with Ant-Man after what uh, after Age of Ultron Um, I think the first Avengers might have ended the first phase but that's the only one this one is uh, far from home after Endgame so until we get and we have no big team up no big crossover movie on the docket as of yet so I think we're in phase four phase four is probably going to be thanks to COVID I think phase four is probably going to be like three, four years long and a plethora of things in it. Indeed. And that's why you get the concern of, you know, checking out on a couple of things that don't really matter. And I don't think, and I don't think checking out on what if is going to matter. I think that, that, you know, if you check out on Hawkeye, it might have a little bit more trouble. Um, But, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I do. Oh, that's what I, that's a thought I forgot to have about the show. So I do think there's so much people aren't going to want. People aren't going, everybody's not going to watch everything. Uh, I mean, I know you and I, we watch everything, but not everybody's going to watch everything. And I think a not lot of- Not everybody's like us and has seven streaming services. Yeah. So I think a lot of the, a lot of the TV shows, at least initially, people are going to kind of, you know, skip over. I'm sure the, I mean, the numbers to these shows we've had so far probably don't equate. Well, they might because- we're in the pandemic time, so it's a little different with streaming. But people probably skip the shows before they skip the movies. But I mean, a, a lot of the people, a lot of thoughts approaching the shows were that like 
they were meant for you to like if you had to skip anything you could skip the shows because they're not going to put anything super important into the shows a lot of people pointed to falcon and the winter soldier it's like you watch the end of endgame steve gives sam the shield and if you skip falcon and the winter soldier and you go to the next appearance of sam he's going to be there as captain america and people like okay that's that's just a natural thing from the movies uh, i think loki Loki and WandaVision are different from that because Wanda is Wanda Maximoff dealing with her grief at the beginning of WandaVision. And then at the end of the WandaVision, she's the actual Scarlet Witch. And that's a little bit of a transition. So when you pick up with her in uh, in, uh, Multiverse of Madness, you're going to have some questions about why she looks like, you know, she bought her entire outfit at Hot Topic circa 2005. Um, The the next thing is going to be, you know, they literally start the multiverse storyline in Loki. You kind of am not going to be able to understand fully. Like, you're going to be shocked as shit if Tom Hiddleston shows up in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and he's talking about multiverses, and you're going, wait, what? Why? What? You know, I just last time I saw him, he picked up a cube in Endgame and disappeared. What the... No, well, if they, if they watched those movies, it was like, so... The last time we saw our Loki, he died. And they probably remember that Loki disappeared in Endgame. But even if they did, it's like, I th- I'm pretty sure they will still think, but I thought this guy is, was dead. And why does why is he talking about time stuff? And why is Wanda wigging out over kids? Where do these kids come from? I, I think the shows are going to tie closer into these movies than people might have originally thought. I think... I mean, you probably will be able to survive if you don't see the TV shows, but you'll you'll have questions while sitting there. It's it's really becoming like the comics, where like Jim mentioned, it's like if you skip a couple of issues, you might feel lost. I don't think it'll be quite that way for Marvel. I think they they're smart enough to know that their movie going audience is their bread and butter, so they have to kind of hold their hand a little bit through it, or you risk alienating them. But I think you get you get a better experience if you take in all of it. Yeah, well, Endgame is an, is an incredible experience for you as a viewer, whether you've seen one Marvel movie or 50 or 20. You know, um, there's just rewards there, more rewards there for somebody who's watched all 20, uh, 22, than somebody who's just watched two or three. Um, I think it'll hopefully be the same way with the television shows, um, where you'll you'll be, there'll be enough explainer pieces on the internet um, to walk you through why and how this is the way that it is right now. Um, but I think for those of us who have spent the time to invest in watching the uh, the 20, is it 24 episodes now? Six, 18. Uh, well, no, it's, it's closer to 20, isn't it? WandaVision was nine. Loki and, and, and Winter Soldier are 12, so that's yeah. 21. Uh, yes, 21. So 21 episodes of television with probably another 12 to come. So you're looking at what? Um, 34 episodes of television over the course of a year? Mm, yeah, probably close to that. A season, basically an old school season and a half of, of television to, to catch you up on all things MCU, which, you know, I think it's going to be interesting and good and i think hopefully like i said they make it rewarding for those of us who have invested the 
the the 32 33 hours in into this this these tv projects uh while also helping your grandma to understand that you know the multiverse and loki and you know wanda and hot topic and all of the things yeah which they've 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 done a relatively good job of doing over the course of recent recent times it's I have faith that they can pull off everything they want to pull off, but it's it's a lot. Yeah. So let's end this uh, podcast with a question: What are your expectations for week two of of Black Widow's box office? Because as we've noted on this podcast many times, everything that's come out has had at least a sixty percent drop the second weekend. Oh boy! So. A 60% drop from this would be about 45 million. My uh that's my rough, my rough math right there. So it will make about 35 million. Um I'm 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 going to until things show otherwise, I'm going to keep with that. I think it's gonna have a, a massive hit uh on the second weekend. But I'm curious as to what Disney Plus is going to do. Um because with that, I think they said they were, they had over a million some odd people buy a Black Widow last yeah, it week. It was uh, I'll pull it up for you real quick. The uh, the Disney Plus numbers. Yeah, because uh, that I'm. I'm Anything they can make on World Disney Plus will will offset the box office of, of of course. But the thing with getting it on Disney Plus is once you buy it once, there's really no need to do it again. So, is it going to have the same effect as the box office where the people that really wanted to get 60 it? Sixty million globally with premiere access across the weekend. Okay, so that's the that's the money it made. Okay, so sixty million at sixty million at thirty bucks a head. Yeah, so that's like. Uh, 20 is that right or two no it's two about two million about two million people oh boy i'm bad at math um so yeah is it did those people that wanted to see it when it first came out on disney plus did they all rush out and get it that first weekend or yeah it's uh 80 million 60 million 78 million 80 million domestic 60 million disney plus 78 million international okay and also with Disney Plus, once it drops, you can buy it any day. So, are they going if are they going to add up yeah, all the numbers? Did, from last uh, week? Yeah, it, and the Monday number was seven point one compared to past nine six point five. Yeah, so it well, yeah, it's a, it's probably going to take that big dip, and I don't expect the Disney Plus numbers to be super to 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 juice it super. To, to juice it a lot. Um, so I guess it'll make around 30, 35 this weekend and maybe another 10 on Disney Plus. And I think that's, I think that's gotta be a win. 30, uh, 35 plus 10 from Disney Plus, I think that's a win. But I just think, I think the Disney Plus numbers are gonna be from from Monday until Sunday, they'll just count them all because I don't. There's no real. There's really no emphasis on buying on the weekend once the thing is dropped. Uh, but I just don't. I don't think. 
I don't think anything is going to have legs for a while. People are people that want to see movies are rushing out to see them when they first come out, and then they're going back home until the next thing comes out and they get it all in on the opening weekend. Yeah, um, the way that everybody was excited about Disney being transparent with their Black Widow numbers for Disney Plus, as Jim said, in a way that they weren't for either Mulan or uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. And the way that I've I've put that to friends and other people has been, um, you know, how you're when you're a kid, you're a kid and uh, in the old school days, uh, you used to they used to hand you the report card to you and tell you to take it home, or they mailed it to your parents' home. And it's, it's the equivalent of you doing okay, so-so, C-level grades for most of the, for the first semester, and then getting your, your uh, the first nine weeks, and then getting your, your report card for the second nine weeks and getting up to A status. And whereas you were trying to hide that report card from last nine weeks, you're rushing home and can't get home quick enough to show your parents this one uh, with all the A's on it, the A's and B's on it. And I think that's kind of what this is. They will not be running to exhibitor relations or to the internet to put out a press release uh, touting the numbers for, for um, Jungle Cruise because the numbers for Jungle Cruise will not be 60 million worldwide. Not at all. Um, I, would be, I would be pleasantly surprised to see, to know if Raya and Mulan together combined made 60 million in, in, in buys. So, you know, that's why they were transparent. They were transparent because they had really good news to share. Mm -hmm. um again business model is successful you want people to know business model was successful you know it's it's not a surprise it's just when the business model isn't as successful you're not gonna publicize that as much i mean netflix is is coy with this a lot because they'll do things like the irishman was the most streamed movie of the week on our on our servers but they won't tell you how many people are viewing the irishman or how many people have watched it in its entirety or how many people stopped halfway through or any of that stuff yeah. because they you know they just want the publicity of putting out a press release that says Scorsese's movie did really well you know on our service so that they can continue to show that to other filmmakers and get them to sign off you know it's that's all the interesting things to me is like yeah they were transparent but they're only going to be transparent for this one movie because it worked yep i think that i think that is probably accurate uh, but i don't know we'll, we'll see what happens it'll be an interesting weekend for sure okay. but um but we'll have a look at it and we'll see um but that'll about do it for this week's podcast if you want to keep up with this podcast i am at the max theory and i'm at bcw tiger fan <laughs> thank you very much and uh all, all, right. all hail alligator loki i'm down with that